This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. If you were here last Sunday, we started talking about how uh, one of the things that, that God has put on my heart, the heart of the leaders at Christian Chapel, is that everyone who walks through the doors of Christian Chapel in 2019 will have an experience of just the bigness of God in their life, right? So when we talk about you need a bigger God, we are not saying that God somehow needs to increase in size. He is plenty big uh, for everything you need. What we're saying is we want you and, and we personally want to have a bigger understanding and a bigger experience of God in our lives. And, and that's kind of where we're going to settle in this morning. We're going to look at um, a story from Acts chapter 1 and 2 and see how God doesn't come just to give us information about who he is, but he really comes to bring experiences that expand our hearts, expand our minds, and bring transformation into the world around us, right? Maybe it helps to think of your, your New Year's resolutions uh, anytime you've kind of been in a, a new beginning stage of life. It's one thing to sit down and make the list about what you're going to do and how you're going to be different, but those things typically don't work until you work, right? You've got to move at some point from an idea in your head or a hope in your heart to actions in the world. And and so that's what I want to talk to you about uh, for a little bit this morning is this idea that God brings information, he brings inspiration, but it always leads to transformation. You know, we, we want to move from just knowing about God to knowing God and experiencing Him in every area of our lives. Or, or maybe another way to think of it is uh, what we're going to see from the scriptures this morning is that the, the truth of who God is and what He does, it, it moves from our heads to our hearts to our hands. And there, there's always this pattern. We don't want to settle for just knowing about God. We don't want to settle for just being inspired by God. But we want it to play out in every aspect of our life. And so we see this pattern working with Jesus and his disciples. So they're, they're walking with Jesus. They're talking with Jesus. He has called them out of some pretty ordinary lives and begin to lead them into some extraordinary experiences. They have watched him heal the sick. They've watched him raise the dead. They have watched him feed multitudes of people with just a, a few pieces of fish and a few loaves of bread. They've watched as uh, people have tried to trick and deceive him and he's perceived it and spoke truthfully to it. They've watched him calm the storms. They've watched him walk on water. The disciples have had amazing experiences about Jesus. And in the middle of these amazing experiences, he presents them with some new information that, that would have felt a little challenging to them, I'm sure, when they first heard it. In John 16, Jesus says to the disciples, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, when you think of what it means to experience God in a bigger way, um, it doesn't seem that it could get any bigger than walking and talking with Jesus, right? I mean, that would kind of, anytime you need to know something, Jesus, what do you think? Anytime you need something, Jesus, I'm hungry, can you, right? I mean, it just, it would, it would work well. And yet what Jesus tells the disciples is, if you want to have the biggest experience of God possible, I'm going to have to leave so that the Holy Spirit will come. And I don't know that the disciples could have fully grasped what he meant in that moment. But years later, as they begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, I think they would have started to understand that walking with Jesus was one thing, but having the Holy Spirit of Jesus live inside of them was another thing entirely. 
Jesus tells the disciples and he tells us, if you want an experience of a bigger God, it's going to involve the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not going to get it any other way. And just in case they don't get it, after his death and resurrection, as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he gathers the disciples to himself again. And in Acts 1-4, he tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So again, he's giving them information. This is a plan. For, for if there were any type A disciples, they loved this instruction for Jesus. Right? Because he told them what to do. Do not leave Jerusalem. So they, they knew. It was clear. This is what we're supposed to do. He told them why. Because you're going to wait for the gift my father has promised. He even clarified what that was, that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then it just kind of one little extra thing. He even told them when it was going to happen. He said it will happen in a few days. Right? So it's this, this beautiful, just uh, very clear instruction. And there are going to be times in our life where you find yourself in a season and you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? I just wish you would come and tell me what to do, where to do it, how long it's going to take to get there. And the the good news of the gospel is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he shines his light on all truth and makes it personal and applicable to us. So if you're in a spot this morning, you're thinking, man, I wish God would speak to me about my marriage. He will. You're thinking, I wish God would speak to me about my future. He will. I wish God would give me information about how to beat this addiction. He will. He does it again and again and again. And so so let's help ourselves think about this. How many of you have ever uh, watched one of those HGTV shows about a home renovation, right? Either you like pretty much everybody, right? Because I think everybody in the world right now, you either like to watch it, you're married to someone who likes to watch it, or you're parented by someone who likes to watch it. Or maybe like me, you have a little girl who likes to watch it, so she wins, right? Uh, but in those shows, there's always this period of information, right? So, so they all start the same way. It's some uh, young couple, an older couple, a new family, a blended family, and they, they need information, Because their house is too big, their house is too small, their house is too hot, their house is too warm, it's too close to the city, too far from the city. Something has happened where they need a new home, and they are seeking out information on the best way to do that. And so they go to the designers, they go to the stars of the show, and they say, will you help us? And they say, yes, we will. And they begin to give them information. Okay, here's what we're going to do for you. These are your needs. These are the parts of town you want to live in. So we're going to start taking you around. We're going to show you these homes. And they'll, they'll give them just the details. This home has this many square feet. It costs this much. The lot is this big. These are the schools. They're giving them all of the information that they're going to need to make a decision. And yet, in, in most of those cases, they're taking them to homes that are not terribly attractive. Right? And, and they're taking them in and they're saying, now, um, I know there are roaches, but we'll take care of that. Right? I know there are velour curtains over all the windows, but we'll take those down. I know that 1970s shag carpet smells like a million cats have peed on it, but we'll take care of that. Right? They're, they're giving them information, but in the information, there's this little element of faith where the, the buyer is having to trust the professional. You know what you're talking about. Now, for, for the disciples and for us, this happens as well, because there comes a space where we have to trust that the information God has given us, even if we don't see all the way to the end, that he does. 
He's been here before. He's done this before. So if he reveals the first step for your problem is not something that you want to do, your job is still to trust the information and begin to move forward in that process. The Holy Spirit comes and he guides us into all truth. And so if you're lacking information, if you're lacking the ability to make decisions this morning, you can ask for it and God will give that to you. But Jesus doesn't just give the disciples information. He also gives them inspiration. In Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, now, now, this is that moment where kind of the, the dry, dusty facts about who God is begin to penetrate down into your heart and begin to come alive. The disciples have been told, go back to Jerusalem and wait. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is a gift my Father has promised. Okay, that sounds good, but maybe isn't just terribly inspiring. So in Acts 1.8, just a couple sentences later, Jesus tells them, and when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And this power is not just going to change you, it's going to change the world through you. Jesus is starting to tell the disciples, and he's starting to tell us, there comes this space in life where the truth about God is going to be activated in our hearts by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to well up to the point that we have to take action with it. Right? He doesn't just inform. If, if following Jesus is just a dry, dusty experience, if you view Christianity the same way you viewed your high school history class, something's wrong. It's not just a collection of historical facts. It's not just a list of rules of how, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, but it is an ongoing active relationship with God. And so when we are in these seasons of God, have you told me what to do? Now will you also inspire me to do it? And so you find yourself in, in this situation at times of, of you're facing a season in life and you know exactly what God wants you to do. You just don't want to do it, right? I, God, God, will you please come and just, just bring life to my finances? And he's saying, yes, I want you to be generous, right? Well, can you please come and bring life in a way that I keep it all, right? God, will you come and bring life to my marriage? Yes, and you're going to love your wife like Jesus loved the church, and you're going to lay your life down for her, and you're like, well, is there another way? Bring life. Okay, respect your husband, but he's an idiot. Is there another way? Right, and, and so we get to these points and, and we're asking God, Lord, I know what I want to do. I just don't want to do it. And in that space, be open, be honest with God. And what we believe will happen is the Holy Spirit will come and begin to inspire you and move the truth of God from something you feel required to do to something you desire to do. And that space is where your heart really starts to come alive. And you start to read the scriptures, not just purely as a spiritual discipline, but because when you read, God speaks. Right? You start to pray for others, not because you think you're supposed to, but because you've actually started to see results and God's given you this desire to do so. At the, the inspiration stage, it's, it's the stage in that home renovation process where they've, they've bought the house, they've made the commitment, now they're sitting down with the designer and they're starting to show them, here's what your home's going to look like. Right? We're going we're gonna to come in and we're going to rip up all that old nasty carpet and we're going to lay these nice new wood floors. We're going to knock out every wall in your house and put in a bunch of uh, steel girders and it's just going to be one giant open concept. Right? 
We're going to put the biggest island in the world in your kitchen. In fact, your kitchen will be an island. And you just, you look at it and you're just, you're, you just have this inspiration of this is awesome. I never would have saw this. I never would have thought this is possible. And this is what God can do in your life with his truth. He'll come and just start to give you a picture of what could be. Right? Don't, don't try to skip this step. Don't try to go straight from information to transformation. Because when you do that, you bypass the work of the Spirit in your life and you decide, I'm strong enough to achieve God's results by God's rules without God's help. And that's not what he ever intended for you to do. He puts it in your head, but then he moves it to your heart and he makes it come alive. And this is the experience the disciples have. Man, we'll go and wait. Of course we're going to wait because he's bringing power that's going to change us and that's going to change the world. So they go back and they wait. And, and so we get to the space of we've got the information, we've got the inspiration, and now we're ready. Lord, bring the transformation. Bring it to me right here, right now. I, I know what you said about my marriage. I'm inspired to believe it. Now fix him. I believe it, Lord. Now, now make us whole. Make, it, make the 27th year like our, our first 27 days. Right? And, and, and sometimes he does that, but most often there's this space between the inspiration and the transformation. And it's a land of obedience. It's a land where we're saying, okay, God, this is what you said. This is how you've spoken. You've inspired my heart to believe this is true for me. And now I'm going to take that next step of obedience. See, Jesus tells the disciples, go back to Jerusalem and wait, and you're going to receive power. And the disciples are not filled with the Holy Spirit on the way back to Jerusalem. Instead, it tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And then in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They have to move from the space of information and inspiration into obedience. They had to do what Jesus had told them to do, and then they received what Jesus had told them they would receive. So Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem. So they figure we should go back to Jerusalem. And they go back and they find an upper room and they begin to pray. But they're not just kind of passively waiting. Right? They are actively waiting. It says they join together constantly in prayer. That, that word constantly can also be translated. They join together in obstinate prayer, in persistent prayer prayer. They were so certain of the information, so inspired by the promise of the Holy Spirit, that they made a commitment to God and to one another, we will not move until God does what he has promised to do. They did not know exactly what it would look like, and they did not know exactly how long it would take, but they made a commitment to each other. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray together persistently until what God has promised is fulfilled to us. And it's, it's this really amazing idea that, that we can be kind of led on this road of obedience, but, but God in his grace doesn't leave us on our own to just kind of keep grinding it out. But in that process, he will bring others along with us who will join us in these passionate, 
obstinate, stubborn prayers. I love it. I hear the stories from our home groups of a person who has a need. And they bring it in a home group and say, will you guys pray for me? And it's not just a quick, simple, God bless them, help them. Maybe someday this will be answered. But there are others who become passionate about the needs and the lives of their brothers and sisters. And they're praying for it night and day and night and day. And as they're praying for it together, they're holding each other accountable to their obedience. Will you pray for my marriage? Yes, I will. How are you treating your wife? Are you guys going to church together? Are you guys praying together? Are you submitting yourself to the Lord? Are you laying your life down for her? Are you respecting your husband? Are you doing these things? You see, as we, as we pray together as a process in, in part of our obedience, we're holding each other accountable. When we pray, we are being reminded of the information. We're being reminded of the inspiration. And we're looking forward to that transformation. Prayer is always part of our obedience process. And, and yet it's the obedience season where many of us get discouraged and give up. Because it, it was fun to learn the information. It was great in those moments where the Spirit gave us these desires and, and we kind of, you know, that Sunday morning, like spiritual high, I can run through a wall kind of moment. That's, that's wonderful. That's awesome. And, and then we went back out and we kind of got into the grind. So the disciples, they're praying in the upper room and Jesus has told them the Spirit will come in a few days. So they, they, they sit there and they pray for a day, probably not expecting because he said a few, so it'll be at least two. So they pray for the first day, and then they, they pray the second day, and nothing happens. And they pray the third day, and nothing happens. They pray the fourth day, and nothing happens. They pray the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day. And, and we don't know how long they're praying. Maybe they're praying two or three hours, maybe five or six, maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15 or 16. We don't know. But we know there are 10 days between when Jesus gave them the command, go back and wait, and the day of Pentecost when they are filled with the Spirit. And all along the way, there's going to be a temptation to quit, a temptation to give up, a temptation to think, he said a few. Right? If you order something from Amazon, and it says it'll arrive in a few days, what are you thinking? Two, hopefully. Right? Maybe it's at one of those distribution centers in Kansas. It'll get here quickly. And uh, if not, maybe, maybe three, maybe four. By day five, you're pretty aggravated with Amazon. Right? By day six, you're, you're thinking, I should have just went to Walmart in the first place. <laughs> By day seven, you're telling other people, I'm going to cancel my Prime account. Like they, if they can't follow through on getting me my stuff, what day eight, day nine, you've sworn off online shopping for the rest of your life. You don't trust the man. You don't trust the credit cards. They probably stole your identity and are spending your money in China. Like you've, you've went through all of these things, right? Day 10, when it arrives, you're not grateful. You're just mad. Because they said a few, and 10 is not a few. But for the disciples, they just decided, hey, maybe, maybe God's idea of a few is different than our idea of a few. Maybe he's got a little bigger picture view. Maybe there are lessons of persistence and perseverance that we need to learn. So, so our job is just to decide, okay, he's given me the information. He's given me the inspiration. There are others gathering around me, holding me accountable. So I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to continue to obey until God reveals it's time to take the next step. It's, it's that space in the, the home renovation process where you've got the information, you've got the inspiration, and now it's time to go to work. And, and you've, I know some of you, you've told me your stories of your home renovations. It's why I don't engage in home renovations. Because you've told me, like, it, we had these grand dreams, 
And then we lived in a mess for six months. Right? I was going to redo the bathroom. And, and as I demoed the cabinet, I took out all the plumbing at the same time. Right? We were just going to move one wall. And that was the home of all the termites in Oklahoma. Right? You, you've had these experiences. And, and, but once you get into it, you face that point of, man, we've either got to see this through or burn it down. But there is no place in between. Right? And, and for those of you who have been disciplined and, and you've kind of pushed through the hassle, you've pushed through the headaches, you've seen the result of your work. And the result is a, a home that you are now happy most of the time to live in. Right? Now, it's, it's going to be the same thing. As God gives you the information, as he gives you the inspiration, he's going to lead you on a path of obedience. He's not going to abandon you on the path, but he's going to continue to be with you. And as you obey, he'll continue to inform. He'll continue to inspire. He'll continue to give you gifts of faith and courage and perseverance. And then at just the right time, in just the right way, at just the right place, he's going to answer those prayers. And his transformation is going to come to you and through you in a way that is supernatural and undeniable. For the disciples, we see this in Acts chapter 2. It tells us the story. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When God brings transformation, you don't have to wonder if it's happened or not. It's going to be clear, right? So so you're praying this year, God, will you bring transformation? Set me free from this addiction. When he does, you're going to know it. Right? You're, you're praying, God, restore my marriage. When he does, you'll know it, and so will your spouse. Right? You're praying, God, will you please turn the heart of my child back towards you? And you're looking for just the smallest glimmers of hope. And each time you're thinking, is that it? Is that it? When it happens, you will know it. When God fulfills his promises, he does it in ways that are obvious to us so that he gets the glory for it. He tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he does not tell them, and this is how you'll know that's happened. Just tells them, go wait. And so they go, and they wait, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. And maybe there are some times in that that process where one of them feels really just impassioned and really, really proud and really just thinking, man, this has got to be the gift God has promised. And the others are like, I don't know, maybe not. And they keep praying, they keep praying, and keep praying. And then 10 days in, the room starts to shake, right? And the wind starts to blow, and they start to look around like, maybe, maybe, maybe this is it. And then little pillars of fire start to appear over their heads. And, and if there's any doubt, it's, it's, it's really being clarified now. Okay, I think, guys, I think this might be it. This might be the moment. And then you've got, you've got Peter, you've got James, you've got John, and they're, they're looking over at some of the other disciples who are saying, hey, he, he doesn't know that language. He doesn't speak that language. What are these words coming out of my mouth? I don't speak that. And, and in that moment, suddenly, for, in some supernatural way, they know the Spirit has come. We are full of the Spirit. We have power now to do the things that God has called us to do. 
the same thing's going to happen in your life. 2019 is going to be a year for some of you. You have the information. You've had the inspiration. You're on that process, that long road of obedience. It's going to be the year that the Spirit is poured out on your life and brings the transformation you've been longing for. Right? He can make your 37th year of marriage the best one that you've ever had. He can take those broken and dead dreams and not only breathe life into them, but far exceed anything you had hoped or imagined. He can come in the middle of your brokenness, your sickness, your pain, and his power will be made perfect in your weakness. And when it happens, you will know it. God is not dealing in obscurity with you. He's not trying to make you wonder and guess if he's involved in your life, but he's going to give you clear information. He's going to give you divine inspiration. He's going to give you the ability to obey, and at just the right time, in just the right place, in just the right season, he will act. And when he acts, the grief will be pushed back. When he acts, joy will be restored. When he acts, freedom, true and lasting freedom will be found. When he acts, you won't just tolerate your spouse. You will love them from the depths of your heart. These are the promises God has given to us. And, and the really good news is as he brings that transformation to us, it's going to flow out into the world around us. See, God waited till the day of Pentecost so there would be a sufficiently large crowd gathered around for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So that it wouldn't be limited to just those 120 people in the upper room, but instead it would overflow to the thousands of people who were gathered outside. And we're going to talk more in the coming weeks about the, the response that we have and the, the, the duty we have to share that good news with others. But, but for today, I just want you to just think of Peter. Peter had the information about what God was going to do. He had all the inspiration in the world. He was faithful. He was obeying. But when the Spirit comes, Peter's transformed. It's Peter who gets up and speaks to the crowd and says, what you see and hear is the fulfillment of God's promise. It's what Jesus has accomplished. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's what the prophets foretold. And of all the disciples in the room that day, Peter might have been the most unlikely to be chosen by the other disciples to be their spokesman. He had a long track record of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. He had a track record of when things got hard, he ran away. And yet the Holy Spirit comes and completely transforms him. And the transformation the Spirit achieves in Peter results in the transformation of many others. What God is going to do in you in 2019, he's, always, he's also going to do through you. So as you're in that process of experiencing his supernatural transformation, will you, will you do all of us a favor? And tell your story. Don't keep that light inside of you. Don't let the enemy come and say, yeah, God set you free. But if you start telling that story, they're going to know what an idiot you've been for the last 10 years. Right? Yeah, God has, God has restored your marriage, but nobody else knew you were a bad husband. So don't tell them. God has brought your child back, but they never knew they were lost. So shh. God has restored your finances, but others never knew that you were irresponsible and racked up all of these uh, problems and headaches. So when God moves in your life, tell others about it because your story becomes part of God's information and inspiration for others. 
As you begin to give voice to God's intervention in your life, in your home groups, in your small groups, in your friendships, over lunch, coffee, golf, wherever you are, you're giving hope to other people that what God has done for you, he can do for me. So please, please, please don't pretend like you've always had it all together. Don't pretend that God's divine intervention in your life was somehow the result of your own personal discipline. In his grace, God has restored. He has brought back to life. He is bringing new things. And in that, in that space, he expects it to flow in you and out of you. Don't restrict it. His transformation always extends to others. Right? And, and the last thing I want to tell you this morning is whatever, whichever of those seasons you're in, don't give up. Don't give up. If you're in that moment of just praying, God, I need some information here. I need you to speak clearly. There there are things in my life. I need to know your plan for my marriage. I need to know your plan for my kids. I need to, maybe you're a student thinking, God, I need to know your plan for my future. I need to know your plan. How am I going to get out of this addiction? In those spaces, don't give up. God has a plan. He will make it clear to you. So don't give up. If you're in a, a season of seeking inspiration, Saying, God, will you come and just take the things I know, but I don't really want to do them. Continue to pray for that inspiration. God never intended for you to follow after him with a cold heart. And so if you're in that space of saying, Lord, I know what you say. I just don't want to do it. That's not a sign that the truth is not for you. It's a sign that you need the Holy Spirit to come and light a fire in your heart. And take the truth you've read about and let it become the reality, the hope, the dreams that fuel every part of you. Ask God, bring that inspiration. Let my scripture reading become not just a spiritual discipline, let it become a source of life to me. And if you're in that season of obedience this morning, don't give up. That's the easiest place to just decide, man, I tried it, I did it, I was inspired, but I think I just made an emotional decision. I think it just jumped in too early and, and it's really not going to work. My encouragement to you if you're in that season, gather others around you who are going to pray passionately, right? If you go to someone, you say, will you pray for me? And their prayer is, man, just God bless you. I hope things work out. Good luck. If they pray good luck prayers for you, those are not the people you want praying for you. Find people like the, the apostles had with one another who will say, all right, let's go. We're going to pray about it, and we're going to pray passionately. We're going to be obstinate in our prayers because we believe God has revealed his truth. We believe his spirit has inspired our action, and now we are going to set up camp here until God does what he has promised he will do. And if you don't have those people in your life, man, jump into a home group. Get back there to the prayer room. They are here. They are ready. They are willing But don't give up in that season of obedience because you feel alone, because you feel overlooked. Others are going to come and their faith is going to encourage yours. They're going to point you back and tell you God said it, God inspired it, God's going to do it. And if you're in that season of transformation, I just want to encourage you, man, just thank God for it. Don't feel bad about the good things that God is doing in your life. Don't be hesitant. It's not bragging to tell others, let me tell you what God has done in me and for me. But it's part of bringing hope. It's part of bringing his story into their world. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray with us before we're dismissed this morning. 
And if you'll indulge me for a couple moments, I want to do this a, a little differently than we normally do. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray four specific prayers for us today. And, and the first three I'm going to ask you to respond to individually. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. If, if you're here this morning and you need information from God, you need direction about a problem, about a situation. You need to know what his plan is. If that's you, will you raise your hand where you are so I can pray for you? Lord, you see each person, you see our, our need, Lord, our desperation to have your truth revealed. So Lord, I, pr I pray for each man, for each woman, each teenager who's responding and I ask, Lord, that 2019 would be a year of clarity for them. A year where you speak to them through the scriptures, where you speak to them as they pray, where you open, open their eyes, Lord, to see that you are calling them on a path. Lord, we thank you that you say if we lack wisdom, we can ask and you will give it to us, Lord. So, so we ask that you would give it and give it in abundance this year. Lord, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see where you're leading. Lord, I just pray for those who they're desperately needing information from you this morning and so your spirit would speak clearly to them. The second prayer I want to pray for you is if you're here this morning, you need inspiration. You know what God wants, but you need that supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit to come and move this from just kind of the thing you're supposed to do into the thing you want to do. You're tired of that cold, dusty, dead religion, and you want to move into a new experience of, God, will you light a fire in my heart? Will your spirit lead me, guide me, walk with me? I need inspiration from the Holy Spirit. If that's you, will you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Holy Spirit, you see our desire to have a living and active relationship with you. I pray for each person, Lord, that, that you would come and you would bring life into their souls. Lord, forgive us for reducing our relationship with you to a list of rules, to boxes that we check. Lord, I pray in 2019 for, for those that are responding, it would be a year where they're experiencing the life-giving nature of the Spirit at work in them. May it be a year where truth moves from things that they read to realities that they experience. Lord, may you awaken their spirit. May you call those dry bones to life. God, may you breathe into those spaces where, where there was once this, this burning fire, but that the coals have grown cold. Lord, will you come? And I also want to pray, if you're here this morning, you're in that season of obedience, and you're just saying, I, I just need to keep going. I need courage, I need faith, I need perseverance. If that's you, will you raise your hands so we can pray those prayers for you? God, we ask in these seasons of obedience that you would help us to keep going. Lord, remind us of the inspiration, remind us of the, the information you've given us, and help us, Lord. Help us to just keep doing the last thing you told us to do. Help us to not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, 
the harvest will come. Lord, so I pray for those students who are just grinding out those college years. Lord, may they be faithful on their path of obedience. I pray for those marriages that, that Lord, it's, it's just, it's not what they want it to be, but it's better than it used to be. May they continue to obey your calling. Pray for those who are fighting addictions, Lord, and there are some victories and there are some setbacks. May they continue forward on the path that you're calling them to. Jesus, may we trust that what you've called us to do, what you've inspired us to do, you're going to see it all the way through to the end. So help us, Lord, to not quit in the middle. Help us to not stop on the seventh day, the eighth day, the ninth day, but may we push all the way through to that moment, God, and this is our prayer for all of us, that 2019 will be a year of transformation. God, a year where the old has gone and the new has come. A year where the way things have always been done, the things that we've always said, the things that we've always thought, Lord, these would be done away with and your spirit would come in power and would come in might and lead us into a new season of spirit-inspired living. God, may you come and bring life into dead dreams. May you come and restore broken marriages. May you come this year and perfectly and finally break the chains of addiction. May 2019 be the year that the grief that has plagued us for so long is finally pushed back, where joy is restored, where smiles and laughter return. God, will this be a year? Let it be a year of your transformation. God, that comes in us and flows through us. Jesus, we come desperate for your spirit, seeing our weakness and acknowledging our need for you. So Lord, speak truth. Give inspiration. Give us the desire and the ability to obey. And in just the right time, in just the right place, in just the right moment, bring your transformation in ways that are undeniable. There is no question if you have acted, no doubt that you have intervened. Lord, will you come? God, will you come? space where God was going to speak. For some of you today, January, January 13th, 2019 is holy ground. Right here in this room at this time, this is the space where God is speaking. And if he's speaking to you, I want to encourage you to, to either do one of two things. First, you can 
go back to the prayer room. Right, you can head out those back doors to your left. Some of our volunteers will be waiting to, to pray with you. Let them join you in those passionate, stubborn prayers. For others of us, this is, this is just a moment for you to hear, to know God is at work. He is speaking. And what he's starting today, he's going to continue in your life all year long. He's going to give you these holy ground experiences where he comes and you become sure and certain of his ability to change everything. So in whatever way you choose to respond, I want, I want to give you freedom to do what you think God is calling you to do. Either head back out those doors to your left, let our, let our pastors, our prayer team join with you in prayer, or you're free to stay in here and, and just let God drive that point home to you this morning. If this is holy ground, I'm here to speak to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.